growing up. In Brownsville, Brooklyn, is a multi-part podcast that covers my life from the age of four through the age of 11, precisely the years uh, that I correspond to grade school one through six. My life as a student in public school 183 and my interactions with people on the block I lived, the kids on the block I lived, and the environment as a whole. I hope you enjoy this multi-part sequence as much as I enjoyed doing it. Thanks, Dr. J. Growing up in Brownsville, Brooklyn. Now, how far back can I remember? Well, if we don't count coming out of the womb, I would say the ages from 5 to 11 would be fairly clear to Dr. J. And those were the key years uh, that I grew up in an apartment house on Saratoga Avenue in Brooklyn. It was a Brownsville section of Brooklyn. The street corners were Riverdale Avenue and Livonia Avenue. Now, I don't know how many of you are familiar with Brooklyn, probably very few. So let me try to talk about the geography of where I grew up just a little bit. It was, I guess, the southern part of Brooklyn, um, but not 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 too far east, not too far west. I, I would say the center part of Brooklyn, thinking about it. So the uh, south-central south Brooklyn would be the location, I, I guess. And it was known, best known, for what came before my birth, and that is Murder Incorporated. Murder Incorporated was... A, kind of a predecessor to the mob that we have today. Uh, you might have heard of characters like Abe Rellis uh, of Saratoga Avenue and Livonia that Murder Incorporated is known to have hung out on. And uh, there was a cafeteria at that time that was prominent. There was a newsstand on just about every corner, a candy store on just about every corner. What I mean by every corner is four corners. There was an elevated train line uh, that went from New York City to New Lots Avenue, the last stop, which was East New York, just beyond, uh, just just east of Brownsville, where I lived. So I lived very close to the train station, and from my apartment house in the middle of the block, you could hear the trains roaring by. You could also hear a lot of other street noise, buses, trucks, etc. 
So where I lived, it was a fairly congested area, although on the block, the apartment houses were not very tall, maybe three, four flights, and there were many brownstones on that block as well. It was a rather lengthy block, as city blocks go. I would say it's equivalent to three city blocks in total distance. And again, we lived in the middle of the block. On the, on the block were a lot of stores. As I pointed out before, there was a cafeteria there on the corner. There was a candy store that served uh, sodas and ice cream and you could buy newspapers, magazines, chocolates, etc. There, next to that was a bakery. Next to that was a delicatessen, which is a rarity nowadays in New York City, a kosher delicatessen uh, that catered to the mostly uh, Jewish population in Brownsville at that time. And next to them was, I believe, a travel agent. I believe. It's hard for me to remember every store. And there may have been a beauty parlor as well. And again, I'm not quite certain of that. On the other side of the street, opposite the candy store, was, you got it, another candy store. And then... Then a, a very big supermarket came in, and that was really the first market uh, that we've had the privilege of shopping in. I graduated sixth grade. I just turned 11. So I entered rather early, considering I went directly into first grade. I still remember the process of signing up for school, and that's peculiar because at that age, I was not even five. I was, I was four during the interview that my mother brought me to the school to, to see where I could be placed. Now, the problem was she came, she took me beyond the deadline to, to be admitted. So it was a delicate situation. For the kindergarten classes were all closed. And the question was, was I smart enough and able enough to handle going into first grade? And I remember being evaluated. I don't remember the entire evaluation, needless to say, but I do remember one part of it. I was asked to bounce a ball and catch it. Now, let me tell you, I was practically born with a ball in my hand, a rubber ball. So I had no trouble passing that part. I also was a smart enough kid to know the alphabet, and I'm sure that was part of the uh, testing. So in, off to first grade I went, and... I remember quite clearly my first grade teacher, Mrs. Heiner. 
She was a very lovely older woman who also had a daughter teaching in the school. Let me tell you about the school. It was an old public school. With, with, uh, at that time, they gave numbers. I think they still do. It was PS 183 in Brooklyn. And it was a huge building, at least to a four-year-old kid. So I, I really remember quite vividly being brought to the school for the first time on the first day of school. It was very, very uh, stressful to a little kid to be left on a big line with other little kids. I remember being upset when my mother walked away. But I just followed the herd into the classroom and very quickly learned the ropes of what first grade was all about. And it was very interesting. First grade came in 1953 for Dr. J. So it was September of 1953 that I entered first grade. I believe um, Dwight David Eisenhower was president of the United States and uh, Robert Wagner might have just become mayor or maybe not even yet, because I think the mayor when I was born was impilitary. So I'm not quite sure if Robert Wagner was mayor when I entered first grade, but he certainly was shortly thereafter. He was mayor for 12 years, Robert Wagner Sr. I remember also the governor was... Again, I'm not sure if it was Thomas Dewey, who was governor when I was born, or if it was his successor, Democrat Averill Har Harriman. I believe it was Averill Harriman. At least uh, it, it, by 1954, it was. So that was the, lo the local politics of the state and the government, as I remember it as a child. I, I did pay attention to a lot of the political talk that went on in my household. My household was strictly dem democratic. Uh, to, to, to me, as a little kid, I remembered learning that Democrats are the good guys, uh, Democrats are for the poor people, and the Republicans are the bad guys. Republicans are for the rich people. And I, I lived the, uh, the first 16 years of my life believing that story 100%. Of course, as I matured, I, I realized that there are good and bad people in every party, just like there are in every nationality and in every race. Uh, so again, I'm still a lifelong Democrat, but I, for example, voted Republican uh, in the local elections. So I have an open mind when it comes to politics. And uh, at that time, however, I, I again, the, the good guys were the Democrats and the bad guys were the Republicans. It was very, very simple. Just like I was indoctrinated by an older boy in my building to be a New York Yankee fan 
as opposed to a Brooklyn Dodger fan or a New York Giant fan in baseball. And uh, that, that was an interesting situation considering my dad was a big Dodger fan and my uncle, who I was close to, was a huge Giant fan. So for me to root for the Yankees was peculiar, to say the least. In any event, so we're talking about the years 53 through about uh, 59 uh, in, in this particular episode. And I, 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 I guess I should start by talking a little bit about what first grade was like because I'm sure it's a lot different today. First grade, well, you know, I'm not sure how much different it was, come to think of it, but I'll tell you what it was like. First grade was about 30 kids in each class. There were about four classes, maybe five in in my school. Uh, So maybe 150 kids in first grade which uh, by today's standards, I guess, is still about what you, you get in a typical public school. And the, the, the classes were arranged according to the perceived ability, so that the kids with the greatest ability were in the one class, and then next to the greatest in the two class, and so on. To be honest, I don't know whether I was in 1 1, 1 2, 1 3, 1 4, 1 5, but I believe it was 1 2, meaning the second most, uh, abil- second most uh, able students. In any event, um, I quickly learned what I was supposed to learn, and that is how to read. That was the main focus of the curriculum in first grade. I remember uh, the reader, which was probably uh, fun with Dick and Jane, or I think that's what it was. And it was like see, spot, run, and those kinds of short sentences. So I, I actually remember that. I remember learning how to read, and I remember learning how to sound out words with the help of the teacher. I was the kind of student, even at the age of four, who paid strict attention. I was 100% focused on whatever the teacher said. And that made a huge, huge difference, considering the fact that I was never one to do homework. about first grade. I do remember many things that occurred in first grade. In particular, I remember a young student, well, obviously, we're all five years old. I was four at the beginning of first grade. But I remember a five-year-old girl who must have had uh, attention deficit disorder because she was never in her seat at her desk. She was always running around in circles, circling the row, circling the classroom, and the teacher simply could not control her. So that stands out in my mind. It was a detriment to the learning atmosphere of the classroom. 
That's one thing. Another thing is, how did I get to school and how did I get back? My mother did not walk me there. Almost everybody in the school walked to get to the school. Whether they lived two blocks away, one block away, or right on top of the school, or or four, four or five blocks away. There was no buses, and very few people owned cars, so walking was the way that you got to school. There were crossing guards on every major corner, on every corner right by the school. So my block, Saratoga and Riverdale, I had to be crossed, and my mother would walk me down to the corner and turn me over to a sixth grader who would be waiting for me, a young girl, who would hold my hand and take me the rest of the way. And that was my routine for the entire year. Going back, she would find me online. I think we lined up to leave, to be dismissed. And she would take me by by the hand, and we would, for whatever reason, run home. I'm not, I don't recall if she was being chased, taunted, or what have you. I think something of that nature, because we always ran, not walked. And I think... Uh, I think that was an interesting trip home on a daily basis. Saratoga Avenue was just swarming with little kids, big kids, kids of all ages. It was, as I said, overpopulated for the block, size of the block. And yet, even though it was equivalent to three city blocks, uh, which would probably be about... um, I think one city block is a 20th of a mile, roughly. So three twentieths of a mile. That's a significant amount of real estate. And most of them, most of the block was filled with apartment houses, although, as I said, there was some brownstones, particularly heading towards Riverdale Avenue. There were a bunch of brownstones on both sides of the block, and the brownstones were a pleasant interlude from the apartment houses because they they had gardens and they had bushes and they had green stuff. They might have even had a tree. Yes, a tree grows in Brooklyn. And there might have been a few of those on each side of the street. It's hard for me to recall precisely, but I believe that's true. I, I enjoyed walking past those brownstones, as I said, It broke up the monotony of the concrete sidewalk, the very bland-looking concrete sidewalk that that ran from from most of the block. It ran from the subway all the way to those brownstones, which were, say, three-quarters of the way down the block. So from Livonia Avenue to, to up until the brownstones, it was concrete sidewalks, very, very dull-looking, but one interesting thing was, well, it wasn't really totally dull because there were stores at the the corner till about a quarter of the way down the block. And also the the block had, as I said, always had kids playing. In the warmer weather, there'd be a lot of ball playing, jump rope, you name it. And what was interesting also 
was the fact that the, the little kids my age played in the courtyard between the buildings. It was a front, facing front, the courtyard. It was more or less cellar, it was cellar level because you had to walk down about a dozen, maybe not a dozen, maybe eight steps to get down there. And there was a little, little vestibule that you had to go through to get to the courtyard. So we would play punch ball in the courtyard. And we would play after school. And there was probably about four or five or six of us between, uh, at all times, I would say, just about at all times. And it would vary. Some kids would be called in by their mother for dinner, and others wouldn't. So we had varying amounts of kids playing ball. And it was always punch ball. And uh, there was not that big a distance in the courtyard, so we were little kids, and it was perfect for us. However, it wasn't perfect for one, one or two residents of the building whose windows faced the courtyard. I remember one man who would open up his window, scream at us to go, and if we didn't go quick enough, he would pour down water on, uh, on us, drench us. And this is, uh, keep in mind that we're four or five-year-old boys and that probably wasn't very nice. He should have spoken to our parents. But in any event, we got drenched a few times. And that didn't dissuade us. So after a while, he started raising the temperature of the water. So we were getting hot water poured down on us. Now, that was a little bit much, but we lived with it. And, and the strange thing is, my parents knew about it, but they never complained to this man. And they never stopped us from playing in the courtyard. Very strange, not typical behavior for parents today. Parents today would have been screaming at that man or screaming at us to stop playing there, one or the other. In any event, we never really resolved it. We lived with it. We continued to play ball. He continued to throw water. And I, I think, you know, looking back, I believe he worked, uh, he worked evenings and into the, into the night and probably would needed his sleep at that hour. So we, we weren't, of course, being fair playing there, but we didn't have a choice. It was safer than playing on the street. Saratoga Avenue is a big two-lane street, so you really couldn't play on the street. But you could play on the sidewalk, and we did a lot of that too. We played against the wall of the houses. We played handball, but more, usually we played uh, Chinese handball, which was sometimes called Ace, King, Queen, Jack, uh, because uh, you rotated to the ace position every time somebody got out. And... You tried to get, if you were ace, you didn't, you didn't get a point, I don't think. And if you were getting out, it was kind of like the service in handball. But uh, you got out if you, if, you, if you missed. And how did you miss? Well, you were allowed to hit the ball on a bounce to hit the wall. So it was one bounce, wall, off the wall, one bounce, hit it again. And we got quite good at it, at least I did. 
So I was able to repeat hitting it in my own box until I got it very low and very close to the wall, and then I'd slam it into the next box. And that person had to try to hit it the same way. If they missed, they went to the end of the row. So if they were king, they became jack, and so on. And and you, if you scored enough points, you were out. I don't remember how many points lost. And I, maybe we spelled out something. Again, I don't remember. So I don't remember everything about the game other than the basic rules and the fact that I was very good at it. You could also slice the ball. There was all kinds of things you could do. We played with a Penzi Pinky ball or a Spalding ball that you could buy in the candy store for about a dime. And there was also a toy store around the block that sold good quality rubber balls. So we frequented that a lot as well. I remember buying other things in that toy store, primarily rubber balls, but also we bought uh, caps for cap guns. We bought... um, uh, lanyards, which we, which was a big thing, making lanyards, arts and crafts. So we did that a lot, sitting in the hallway of the apartment building on extremely hot days or cold days. So the apartment building itself was also a playground area. The front of it had steps as to walk up, not many, about four. And we would sit on those four steps and we would keep warm or we would keep cool because it was sort of like natural air conditioning. And we would read comic books, we would do lanyards. We, we were like an unofficial camp. Uh, it was mainly the residents of the building, other kids from the building, but there was also kids from other buildings that joined us. And also, we also played in the building opposite us, across the street. And mind you, it wasn't easy to cross that street, so we had to have a parent cross us at that age. And we played in that apartment house because it had an even bigger lobby. So there were a lot of kids that would hang out and play in the inside that apartment house. So there was a lot of playing going on on Saratoga Avenue and a, a lot of fun. I remember coming home from school if it was a warmer day and my mother would sit outside waiting for me or be outside waiting for me in front of the house. I would not go upstairs. I'd go directly to the candy store and get an ice cream cone. So I, there are a lot of pleasant memories of first grade. Uh, going into first grade wasn't so pleasant, though, before first grade. We used to go to bungalow colonies every summer, and the summer before first grade, I had mumps, and earlier I had pneumonia, so I had been a little little frail entering first grade, but uh, quickly, quickly regained my strength and uh, re- resume normal activities by the time first grade started. But I remember being pretty sick, especially parts of that summer. 
So every summer we had gone away, and we continued to go away summers right through fifth grade, which I'll talk about uh, a little bit, but not too much, because I want to concentrate on Saratoga Avenue, give you an idea of the environment. So the environment was such that you never had to pick up the, the telephone, make a call, and, and have a play date, because all you had to do was go outside, and there were a million kids in the street. And if it was colder weather, then we did play in each other's house. But it wasn't that the parents or, or, or even us calling to make a play date. We would go outside and call through the window. So there would be calls like, Joel! So I would stand out inside and yell, Joel! And Joel's mother would say, Joel's doing his homework! So then I'd come up and bother Joel to do his homework quicker. And then we'd go down and we'd play some football or we'd go into somebody else's house in the cold weather. But I'm getting ahead of myself because that's a little bit older grades. First grade was different. First grade we played the, these this Chinese handball and we played a lot of box ball and three box baseball. Now, these are unique city games. Box ball was played on the concrete uh, sidewalk, uh, and and you would simply hit the ball into the second box. The, your opponent would hit it back into your box, and you'd try to slice it so that it would stop just over the line and he wouldn't be able to reach it, your opponent. And that, that was the idea of, of uh, box ball. And three-box baseball was a little different. You would put spin on the rubber ball and uh, try to get your opponent to miss, throwing it into the third box. And your opponent would try to hit it on a bounce into your third box, I think. You know, it's a little vague in my mind, but I'm pretty sure that's how it went. So you could have a volley back and forth until somebody missed, or you could get the opponent out on the, on the first pitch, so to speak. So that was three-box baseball, there was box ball, there was Chinese handball. Uh, what else did we play? Punch ball was the biggest game. And we did other things of interest, I guess. We played a Ringle, I'm trying to think of the name, Ringolario one, two, three. So that was a game where you had teams, and one team would hide, the other team would try to find, find the, the person hiding, and you'd put them in jail. And the only way to get out of jail is someone from your team would, would tag you, and then you could run away. Uh, it was sort of a ridiculous game, but I remember playing that ridiculous game. It was sort of a version of it, where you just tag the person. We also played other silly games like, uh, I think it was called Spud or, I, no, I Declare War. I Declare War, I think that was the name of it. Yeah, everyone would have a country. So I, you, you could be France, someone could be England, someone could be United States. And the person with the ball would throw it up in the air and say, I declare war on Germany. Whoever was Germany would have to catch the ball and yell, stop. 
and everyone would freeze. And then that person would have to throw the ball and hit somebody. If they, if they missed, then they got a letter. Uh, the letter was, meant that they were getting closer to being eliminated. I don't remember what, what we spelled out. Uh, maybe it was a five-letter word. So you, if you got the first letter of that five-letter word, you could keep playing until you were out four more times. That was a really fun game that I remember playing. So there were many, many games like that that we played, and that was the nice part. But also there were kids from down the block who were less than nice, at least for the kids from the middle of the block, were kind of rivals with the kids from the end of the block. And uh, oftentimes we would fight, and that's where it got a little ugly. Uh, I would often come up uh, black and blue, uh, bleeding, uh, knees scraped. Um, One time with a big bump on my head after being slammed with a board by someone at the end of the block. So we played nicely for the most part, but there were times that we didn't play quite that nice. And again, you would think in today's times, the parents of each kid who, who fought would resolve, resolve it so that the fighting would stop. But that didn't happen. All that happened is we fought again the next day and the next day and the next day, and it just continued like that. And it was the kind of fighting that we really for the most part, did not hurt each other too badly, thank goodness. But it was nevertheless friendly fighting and maybe not so friendly. And this was from the age of four till about the age of 12 that this went on, maybe 11. The, the, the years that I'm talking about. So I'm talking about, on this particular podcast, the, the ages four through 11, so uh, how, how, I, how I related to people during those six years of grade school. Of course, unfortunately, I can't chronicle it precisely according to first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, because my memories are not that distinct. Uh, they're pretty good, but I can't necessarily differentiate every single grade. I'm going to try, but I, I will fail, I'm sure. But let me start, let me continue again with first grade. So who are my main friends in first grade? Well, they were the kids that we played to punch ball with in the courtyard. They included um, Harry and Stanley or Heshi and Stanley and, and Louie and others. So I remember some of the names. And uh, most of these kids uh, lived in lived on the block for at least the time from the time they were born, but started to move out by the time second grade rolled around. So these were kids I was very friendly with up until second grade. Okay, for now, I think I'm going to stop talking at this point, continue next week, and hope that you've had uh, an enjoyable um, half hour or so with Dr. J, relating the way things were 
in the streets of Brownsville, Brooklyn. Bye for now.